Welcome back to the Man Challenge Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Search. I'm flanked by my good friends, Michael and Brett. Michael and Brett, so good to be with you today. Man, glad to be with you guys today, too. Uh, this is going to be a great time. I'm excited for this conversation. Uh-oh, you started out real high there. So yes. now now it's got to go someplace. Now it's it's got to go. live up to the reputation. All right, so here we go. Uh, opening question, as you are listening in this podcast, I want you to just say this out loud. No one else is listening. So, But you guys, you have to answer this. So uh, go back when you were a kid. Um, what, uh, part, what part of the country or what community did you make fun of? Like it was the brunt of your jokes. Yeah. So Bill, I, I love this question. And, and I grew up in the, the Dallas Fort Worth area and I just remember all the jokes that would, would be, you know, about back country and, and that kind of stuff always ended up being Oklahomans, you know, the, the, the friendly neighbors <laughs> to the North. And it was always really funny to me. And I joined in with that and, you know, it's, you know, how back country they are. And then, Hold and behold, um, in middle school, I moved to Oklahoma. And um, when we got around and we started talking about how backcountry the people are, guess where it was from? It was Arkansas. And then uh, I got to yeah, spend some Arkansas. time in, in Arkansas for a summer. I did an internship there. And they, they obviously had jokes about backcountry people that were from Louisiana or Oklahoma or, you know, mm, you name it. A lot right. of time it was Missouri, you know, the foothills of the Ozarks. But um, it, it was just always really funny is that someone else had another place where they, they thought, you know, okay, that's where, all, that's where the real backcountry people are. Um, and, and I just always enjoyed being able to see is that, you know, when you get around those people, it can change your perspective or it could actually solidify. Yeah, In this right. case, it changed my yeah. perspective. Oh, that's good. So now you don't think of Oklahomans as back. Well, depends not most on, of the time. Not most. It depends on what town you're talking about. Sure. Too. <laughs> Brett, you're a native Oklahoman. Are you hurt and offended by this? I, I am not hurt or offended about this. So. That's good. Do you resemble good, that? Do you uh, resemble that comment? I resemble that comment. <laughs> no, that's because he makes fun of Texans. That's why. <laughs> that's funny. No, I mean, I I can't think of anything like we've. Outside of that, I mean, obviously, college sports and things like that. You know, yeah. there's there's all kinds of jokes around that. But yeah. true, yeah. there's always somebody that you trash talk. I, I'm a Michigan native, and of course, we made fun of everybody from the South. Like there was a lot of Southerner jokes in Michigan, and then uh, moving for a while to Kentucky, and now here to Oklahoma. It's it's mean, but people make fun of the way I talk. <laughs> and what's weird is I say things right. And I don't correct anyone else here that speaks mm -hmm. incorrectly, but I get corrected all the time. Marty, the other day, he was making fun of the way I say alpha. Yeah. And I say it as it's written, alpha. Alpha. E-L-P-H-A, right? <laughs> no, it's A-L-P-H-A, alpha. That's how you say alpha. I don't know. Alpha. I don't know. Dad, you know it is funny, though. Wherever you live, you know, there's always somebody that is sort of the cliche that you make fun of. For, for uh, four years, we lived in California. And when we got there, Californians, a lot of our friends were making fun of like flyover territory. And I'm like, you know, the rest of America hates you, right? <laughs> I mean, the rest of America, that hates a strong word, but the rest of America doesn't like you very much. And I, uh, you know, maybe that's why I didn't stay in California very long. But yeah, they didn't care. Well, there's all yeah, there's always someone you're going to downplay it or is. you know, yeah. be the butt of a joke. Yeah, yeah. There's and so it's funny in the Gospel of John, there is one of these like, oh boy, those people are hillbilly <laughs> kind of things, and it's easy to miss because most of the time, most of the time we read the Bible just too quick. You know, if we if we read the Bible, and by the way, if you're listening to the podcast and you have like a Bible reading plan, I commend you. If you don't, uh, get one. It, they're out there. Go to the U version app and find one. But 
But one of the things that you can do when you read the Bible is instead of trying to like read large swaths of it, really drill deeply into a, a section of it and maybe read it rather deeply and slowly. And, and that's really this part. is uh, This is in John 1, and Jesus is calling his first few disciples to follow him. And, uh, and there's this guy that's introduced uh, named Nathaniel. And when he first hears about Jesus, it's not from Jesus, it's from his friend Philip. Jesus calls Philip, and then Philip goes and finds Nathaniel. And this is in verse 45 of John 1. He says, um, Philip says, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And and Philip's like pumped up. And Nathaniel's response is just what we were talking about. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? And uh, it's it's sort of, it really is. I don't know if scholars don't know if, if uh, Nazareth was sort of the, like the Mississippi joke of, of that time and culture. Like it's a small town in Galilee. It's not a prominent city. It, maybe it was just like a rival to the town that Nathaniel grew up in. It's it, We're not 100% sure. It's not like there was graffiti on bathroom stalls against Nazareth, but, <laughs> but which would be hilarious if archaeologists yeah, found it. Yeah, you maybe know? it just hasn't been excavated yeah, yet. Yeah, maybe in the, <laughs> the synagogue bathroom, if a synagogue had a bathroom. There's a, yeah, Bob's from Nazareth. <laughs> But anyhow, he says, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? And I like Philip. Philip like, doesn't defend Nazareth. He just like, come and see. Just meet Jesus yourself. And it says, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching to him, he says, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Or uh, in the old English, there is no guile. Now, when you hear that, I mean, Jesus just says this to Nathanael. What strikes you guys? I mean, what do you, when you hear, if, if, if you were in the circle of conversation and for the first time Jesus meets a guy and he goes, hey, here's a guy and he, there's, no, there's no guile in him, there's no deceit in him, what, what, what does that tell you about that guy? Man, I think it makes him sound like he's trustworthy or he, he's got integrity. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, just off of him... Obviously, Jesus knows the man's heart and knows who he is, but as I'm sure every, his comrades around him were like, whoa, hey, Jesus yeah. says there's no deceit in you, right? Yeah. I think it's kind of that mic drop moment when someone just pegs you really quickly. Yeah. And it's almost like just just knowing that, and, and it's actually a really kind of revealing, like like scary almost, is like, how, how did you know this about me? Yeah. Or um, it's either very true or um, they're projecting it onto you. Yeah, and there must be a something to it. Like we, if the first words out of Nathaniel's mouth is really from Nazareth, come on. Like this is a guy who, what strikes me about it is here's a guy who's who's thoughtful enough that he's not jumping on whatever is like the hot thing at the moment. You know, there are some people that have, they're so, um, we'll politely say, so flexible, but they might, another way of saying it that, they, that that's not so polite is they have no backbone. Mm-hmm. Or no, gullible. Yeah, or, or they're so gullible that whenever someone comes up and is like, hey, hey, we got we found this really cool thing, they're like, oh, I'll buy in. Right, right. And then they're full of regret. I feel like that most of the time. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a great idea. I'm going to hitch my wagon to that idea. Yeah. It's the first one I've ever heard, but it's a good one. It's the best one I've ever heard. Yeah. And then you have the flip side, you've got other people that are skeptical. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, skeptical. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If someone was to come up to me and say, hey, you know, there's no deceit in this one, then I would be like, 
hey, you're quit being a jerk. Yeah. You know, why would you, you yeah. know, yeah. be like that to me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. There's there's two ways of approaching it. Nathaniel could have been like, nothing good comes from Nazareth. Thank, I'll, thanks, I'll stay here. That'd be like a really jaded approach. Or there's the really gullible, like, really, where? Come on, let's go, you know? And instead, he has, he just voices uh, a, like an obvious, okay, we've been here before. You almost see a guy who maybe, just maybe, there have been people who've told him, hey, the Messiah's over here. Hey, the Messiah's over here. Maybe he followed him once. Maybe he followed him twice. Maybe at least he'd heard the rumors, and he's like, yeah, I'll wait and see. And and so he has like a certain discernment to him, so it would seem. I mean, he's, uh, yeah, trash-talking Nazareth, but he's letting us know something about himself. And so Philip's just like, hey, just come see for yourself. And then Jesus sees him and says, truly, here's an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. And and I love Nathaniel. Look at what he asks him. In verse 48, he says, how do you know me? Like, how do you know? I mean, that's an obvious question. Like, yeah, okay, I've never met you before. How, yeah, I'm not... You know, there's those people that are like the compliment kings or the compliment queens, and you meet them, and they might make you feel like a million bucks, but later you're like, they have no idea who I am. They're just they're just really nice people. And it's nice to be around them. But he he's just kind of uh, blunt. He's like, how, how do you know? And uh, I love Jesus' response. I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now, look at Nathaniel's response. He says, then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. So obviously, Nathaniel is interpreting this in an incredibly clear way. So Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathaniel doesn't respond, oh, I, I didn't see you. Where were you? Were you behind some shrubs? Like, I saw, I bumped, I saw a friend uh, in a restaurant the other day, and then a day later, I bumped into him. I'm like, oh, I saw you in, uh, in the restaurant the other day. And they're like, oh, shoot, I, you should have stopped by and said hello. They didn't say, oh, you must be the Messiah. <laughs> How did you know I was there? They, they put two and two together, and they... They inferred that I had with my own eyes seen them. And it is interesting that Nathaniel does not infer that Jesus was like sneaking a peek here, that Jesus had seen. So he must have been so withdrawn from the crowd. And the context of this is all taking place around the, the space in which John the Baptist is baptizing people. You can look in the context in the verses before. So they're down in the Jordan River Valley, and Nathaniel has pulled away from the crowd. He has found some fig bush. And uh, what's really interesting is is if you go back into the Old Testament, there's a couple references about that in the the time in which Messiah would come, that that people would enjoy just peace underneath the fig Hmm. tree or under the fig bush. And so it's almost like um, Nathaniel, who knows this, is gone to the space where he says, you know, if the Old Testament prophets say, under the fig tree, that there, there'd just be this time of peace. I'm just going to pretend like it's that now. So he's he's retreating to this space. Now, it's kind of cryptic, and it's a little lost on us, and you can look it up. It's in Micah, and it's in Zechariah, the the verses that, that connect with that. But... Uh, but Jesus looks at him and he's like, hey, I saw you when you were in the sacred space. When you were in that retreated sacred space, I saw you. And it wasn't just I saw you away from the crowd. I saw you under that fig tree. 
I know what was going on in your mind. And then Nathaniel, there's like this, okay, you're the guy. <laughs> you might be from Nazareth, but you are the guy. And so, you know, a question, when you're trying to connect with God, which is what Nathaniel was evidently trying to do under that fig tree, he went to that space. Maybe he'd done that before. Maybe he'd found fig trees before and done it. We don't know. John doesn't tell us. But um, I'm just curious, where do you go when you're trying to have a special spiritual connection with God? Where is that for you guys? You know, for, for me, is it, it's got to be away from other people. It's got to be away from distractions. It's got to be, um, and so you know, the only retreat that a man has is the bathroom. I'm just kidding. There. <laughs> I was just saying. I, I remember that movie. What movie was that? I can't remember what movie that was. I don't even know. Um, but it, it's got to be away from from other people. And so, yeah. a lot of the time, I, I really find a, a lot of good solace just on a walk, just mm. walking by myself. Yeah. Um, there's a there's enough um, because if I get still and and quiet, I'm usually asleep. Um, sure. but, but there's enough activity, there's enough, um, things that are going on that it's going to, it's going to keep my attention high, but my thoughts and, and, um, and, and seeking God is, is in that walk or sure. ideally it's a hike yeah. or something like that where you can, you can be a little bit still, you can quiet the distractions right. and noise okay. and the Wichita wildlife mountain refuge has oh. terrible cell phone coverage. Oh. So it's a fantastic place to go. Oh, that right. sounds good. It, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that sounds really good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, out, out in nature is yeah. is where I go. Um, you know, I, I love to uh, to to go to uh, the Rockies, and anytime I can, uh, I make sure to have some quiet time just to sit by the river and just just really just focus on on yeah. God or just focus on my life. Um, and and if it's not, you know, obviously I, I live in Oklahoma, so I don't get to go to Colorado all the time. So it's uh, just some of the parks around or out walking. Yeah. Or even like the back patio. Back patio. You know, isn't, yeah. that, isn't that interesting? Because I, I bet guys listening to this right now would be like nature, hike, outdoor. And even guys that aren't outdoorsy types, there is something about being in what God has created. I mean, most of us uh, wouldn't say like, well, the mall... You know, going over to the outlet mall, that I can shoe really, store. yeah, oh, man. shopping and it, just and, brings <laughs> bliss. And this isn't to me. This isn't even a a gender issue. No. That like, I mean, it's not about that. It's just you go into those spaces and you're trying to make, you're trying to buy something or whatever. You're you're focused on something else. But when you get out into what God made, and you're just there's something overwhelming. There's some something that just brings your spirit up. There, you can look at a sunset. Or a sunrise and go, that is just spectacular. But you you don't have that same feeling if you see like the department store lights. And it's nothing against the department store. It's not it's not a that. It's just you're seeing, we're seeing what the ancients saw that God made. And it is sort of grind it grounding. It mm-hmm. it, it 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 puts our feet solidly on the firma terra that Adam stood on, you know? Right. I mean, when we see a sunrise, he saw a sunrise. When we see a sunset, he saw sunsets. Right. Those are the things that, that connect us uh, with God's creation. And there is something about that that, that uh, and I, I don't know, I when John wrote John 1 here, he's telling us the story of Jesus' ministry, and this is the beginning of his earthly ministry, and this is about him recruiting his people. So it, this isn't really a lesson on where to go 
to be alone with God. That was the fig tree, right? Yeah, that yeah, that this is not like the fig tree. That's not where John's <laughs> like, I'm gonna have this very obscure reference to a fig tree to make people think about where they go to convene with God. But this is also one of the beautiful parts of the way God's word God's word works, is that we can read a real story about real people, about a real guy who spent some time under a real fig tree, and then Jesus saw that, and Jesus commends him for it or calls him out and invites him on a journey with him. And we can look back and go, you know, like Nathaniel, uh, when our heart yearns for something, and I think this is where we have something similar with Nathaniel, he lived in a confusing time. We live in a confusing time. There were stresses on him. There's stresses on us. And so where do you take all that? Well, you can try to own it all, but that doesn't work. Or you can take that to God. And for Nathaniel, this is where he takes it to God. God, I mean, I wonder if his prayer, and we don't know, but I just picture a guy under a fig tree going, God, let me live to see Messiah. You know, let me, as Zechariah the prophet talked about, uh, the 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 role that a fig tree would would as a symbol take in all of this. Let me see Messiah, and then all of a sudden Philip comes up. And is like, hey, I found a guy, and he's like, I'm praying. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm busy right and you now. Br- and you bring me this Nazarene. I... Yeah, I found a Nazarene. <laughs> I hate Nazarenes. <laughs> well, just meet him. And and it's great to and and I think you know it'd be a great idea to think about what would what would change your mind because we see a big about face going from this seemingly skeptical. Um, statement question really it's more of a statement is because any can anything good come from yeah. Nazareth you're you're definitely not the Messiah to you're definitely the Messiah and you think about in in your own life what is what has God done in your life that has made you recognize who he is yeah, when really you came point. from a place of of big skepticism or even just a hard heart or just a yeah. wall that you've built towards him and and I would probably challenged to say that you've got something that you can think of right now that would that you could put your finger on and say, yes, God did this, and he showed up in this way and saw who I was. Yeah. And the Bible says that God looks you know, at the inward part of man, and, and I think that really happened here when yeah. Jesus saw Nathaniel's. He, worked, he looked at the inward, and you know, whenever we're really seen, whenever we're really exposed, and I think that's why nature's yeah. um, one of those things that draws us in, is we see how vulnerable we are, and when yeah. you have that vulnerability. So think about that in, in your own life. Is, it, is there something that you can think of as like, only God could have done this, or he really sees who I am. Yeah. Um, and and I just remember there was a there was a time, um, and this is a, this is Jennifer's story, but I'm going to share it anyway. Jennifer was was having a you know just just praying to God, do you see me? Um, I'm feeling unseen right now. We had real young kids in the house. She stayed at home and um, didn't have a whole lot of uh, abilities to connect with people outside the house and just feeling really unseen. I was working way too much at that point in time too. And she's praying to God and literally our, at the time, three-year-old son comes up and tugs on her shirt and he says, I see you, mommy. Oh. And she just she just broke down, and and we see that, and and um in those there's there's wow. little instances where we'll yeah. have those moments where God just shows up, yeah, and in this Nathaniel yeah. saw God, and and really made it an about face. I thought I think that's just so cool. No, that's awesome. That's really cool. It's such a powerful, you know. Like, I love that story, Michael, and I think that this is the 
even one of the values of writing some of these things down. I'm not a journaler, but you know, however it is you track these things, I think it's important for a man to keep track of those moments in the in his life where God has shown himself. Because that because then then there's those other times where it feels like maybe a little more of like a desert or a little more stretched. And so to have that to to just remember back to mm-hmm. that God provides some thing, some uh, some moment, and you're you're over. It's almost I think of that scene in the book of Exodus when the burning bush. God says, uh, "Moses, take off your sandals. This is holy ground." And there are those moments. It's holy ground, right? Well, I, you know, I, it, it's just one again, one of those things again. As we just read through uh, several sentences, if you if you go through it slowly and you just look through it, it's amazing the nuggets that just sort of fall out. You know, again, it's not what John's main point of writing this story, but it's certainly a point of application for us. Is are we are we men that? Uh, Jesus would say, no, guile there. Pretty consistent. I mean, not not perfect. Nathaniel was not perfect. Jesus wasn't saying, there's Nathaniel, he's perfect. But here's a guy that, in and out, same guy. And Jesus goes, I can work with that guy. You know, not duplicitous, not two-faced, not fake. I can work with that. And and then there is uh, there's a response of Nathaniel when he's confronted with something, overwhelmed with it, to be honest and go, okay, you're the, you're who I've been praying for. I'm with you now. Mm-hmm. And are we are we humble enough that when we encounter that, are we willing to set it all aside and go all in? That's uh, that's Nath- Nathaniel joining the team, and uh, good news is, all these years later, we get to join the team too. Yeah. And I love the fact that this is just an, an origin story of yeah. the, the the men following Jesus or his yeah. disciples. Because if this were a full study of John, I don't think that we'd get done anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, we'd be we'd be in trouble. I was just thinking, if we keep doing this podcast, we'll be very old men by the time we get to the twenty uh, first chapter of John. So, Absolutely. Good stuff, well, uh, Michael, Brett, thanks for uh, joining me today in this discussion. It's been fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. I enjoy this kind of stuff. Yeah, I hope you're encouraged by by these words and just kind of thinking about um, these first few verses in the the first chapter of John. And this is Bill Search, your host on the Man Challenge podcast. So glad that you joined us. Have a great day. <laughs>